The long national nightmare is over. Kirill Kaprizov has signed that and more coming up today on Lockdown Wilds. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we react to the big news of the day throughout the NHL. Kirill Kaprizov has put pen to paper and signed the extension, ending the long national nightmare. He is in for five more years. And we've got the guys from the Sound the Foghorn podcast here to help us break it all down. My name is Seth Topal, host of Lockdown Wild, veteran content producer throughout the state of Minnesota sports for the last 10 years, including the last couple of years exclusively covering your favorite team in the state of hockey. And as mentioned, I am joined by the entire crew. This is the most ambitious crossover event in the history of Lockdown Wild, we have four people on today's episode. Of course, myself and then the entire crew from the Sound the Foghorn podcast. We have Brett Marshall, we have Zeke Boyad, and we have Justin Bakke joining us here this evening. Gentlemen, what's happening? Uh, life is good. Life is great. Very good. Yeah. good. Excited. Very happy yeah, sign. Yeah. Just got done going to uh, the prospect scrimmage, and uh, yeah, a lot of good news all around. Yeah, and we'll um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that a little bit uh, at the end of the show here today, because now we can finally start to turn the page to what comes next. Now that the uh, the deal is done, it is a five year, forty five million dollar deal for Kirill Kaprizov. Some interesting nuggets with the deal: no signing bonus throughout the uh, entirety of the deal. The year-to-year averages are going to fluctuate, which is going to be fascinating to see what those look like. But uh, a no-trade clause in the final two years of the deal, five years in the bag, or three, depending on how you look at it. But let's just go through and discuss uh, some of our favorite parts of the deal. Initial reaction, uh, Brett, let's start with you, and then we'll go to uh, to Zeke and Justin and get your guys' reactions to the deal. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I'm super pumped. I mean, we preached it on our show. We preached it on the Twitter that, you know, this is something we had to trust the process. It was a business decision. And as we always say, when Michael Russo says something and tweets something, where there's smoke with him, there's always fire. And for the last probably month now, he's been saying that the Wild and Kaprizov are going to be around five years, nine million per. Like he said it over and over. And yet people out there continually doubted it, said, nope, he's going back to Russia. He doesn't want to play here all this crap. And to those people, you are now shunned. You can no longer cheer for Kaprizov. If you have a Kaprizov jersey, you must get it to people who did not doubt him. Um, you are now, you've betrayed him. I will frown on you. You are clowns. Um, and yeah, so I, I always believe it's going to get done. I think it took a little bit longer than I thought, but uh, it was just something that I, I just, I knew in my gut that, you know, Garen had his number and we've seen him be really firm in his decisions. And I don't think he was going to budge off that number. And, I think that Paul Theofanis realized, hey, uh, I'm still getting a chunk of that contract. And uh, 
some sort of contract where I'm getting paid is probably better than uh, no contract. Zeke, what do you think? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, I said I was joking four or five days days ago that uh, today was my uh, first day of work over at Target and I had the orientation session. And I was joking last week that, you know, it's going to break right when I'm in the middle of that and not going to be able to check my phone. And then in two minutes, right when I'm about to walk in the store, the first tweet goes out, getting the feeling that, you know, they're close on a contract. And then as I'm sitting in the room that my phone in my in my in my pocket is, you know, vibrating the whole time. So I was. That was pretty funny, but but no, I'm I'm pretty much kind of in agreement with pretty much everything Brett said. It was, uh, it was great. As he mentioned, we were all, you know, I think generally I also try to just take a little more, you know, I guess calm, rational approach. Not like you know some groups of, you know, that's sports fans. That's the definition. Fanatic is crazy, wild, irrational. So you got to understand that a little bit. But it was always as mentioned, uh, you know, he what was he he wasn't going to not play hockey. I mean, he wasn't going to not take at least the forty five million dollars. I mean, even if that's not like a big ninety hundred million dollar deal, that's still forty five million dollars. And so, yeah, no, I I love it. Uh, I think I think five years, considering the circumstances, is is a huge win for the team. And yeah, even if there's maybe a tiny bit of risk there with you know giving that significant of money to a guy after uh you know after one season, I think the just what he does for them obviously on the ice, but also with, with the marketing and with merchandise and just the fan buzz, I think he's going to end up proving to be the, his value is going to be well beyond, I think that $9 million to the franchise. Justin, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, just, I, if you follow the countdown, you can kind of tell that I'm usually pretty optimistic and patient about things. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of knew that this was going to take a while just from his first deal and how things have gone with him ever since we've drafted him. Just things take longer with him. Things are more difficult, but uh, in the end, it's worth it. Um, I like the deal. It, it's, you know, we get him for five years instead of like three and walking him to free agency. Um, the five years gets him through basically his prime years too, which we've mentioned on our show. I think Brett has mentioned it quite a bit and, uh, you know, very excited, love the deal. And another thing that people are saying is, you know, maybe these negotiations make it kind of ruin the locker room vibes, but uh, it's not even close to the case. You can just tell by the way the teammates are, are interacting on Instagram and stuff that they're just as pumped up as we are as fans. Yeah, just some of the some of the factors that, that we can break down in the uh, the next segment and that will – as the conglomerate of wild media be breaking down over the next couple of weeks. I mean, yes, it is a lengthy deal and a lot of money to give a guy who's played 55 career games in the NHL. Mm. But if he sticks at that level of production, if he exceeds that level of production, this is going to be a steal on the back end. It gets the wild Mm. through the big buyout years for Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. So you have Kaprizov in tow with a chance to play with a lot of the younger guys in this system over those years when the cap is uh, is an issue. So it gets them through that. It gives the Wilds all of the keys and a chance to say, okay, we're going to put a team around you. You're going to want to sign here mm-hmm. after this. The other thing, too, is like if – you know, if something happens to where Kaprizov didn't end up um, didn't end up wanting whatever the Wild gave, like the organization knew that that was going to be a black eye that they could not afford to have was was not making this deal happen. And so, 
they met in the middle. The Wild get him past those buyout years. Kaprizov gets to his age 29 season, and then he can cash in after that with us or with uh, with somebody else after that. So a lot of mitigating factors. Obviously, the four of us are thrilled that he's back and that we can finally now focus on the hockey side of things. And we will we'll do some of that, and we'll continue to just kind of break down the ripple effects of this contract. The entire crew of the Sound the Foghorn podcast continues the conversation here on Lockdown Wild after this. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This fall, Built Bar wants to help you celebrate freedom of choice. Did you know Built Bar has amazing flavors of just about every variety? They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. The only one that's missing on that list is pumpkin spice. But... If we're going for the go-to flavor, my money's on raspberry. But if you're not sure which one's right for you, grab the mixed box and you can get two each of those nine flavors. The best part about Built Bars, they are amazingly healthy for you. Each bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, ranges in calories from 130 to 180, contains only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and just 4 to 5 net carbs. Amazing tasting and amazingly healthy what more could you ask for from a Built Bar? So head to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Continuing the conversation with the Sound the Foghorn podcast on today's episode of Locked on Wild, we're joined by Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bakke. And gentlemen, Looking at some of the other things that this contract does for the Minnesota Wild, obviously the one thing that we don't know as of yet is the year-to-year breakdown, and that could greatly fluctuate to try to kind of help the Wild through the uh, the salary cap waters they're going to negotiate for the next few years. Is there any part of the contract that is a red flag. Let's just go around the group. If there if there isn't anything that, that kind of raises a red flag for you, that's totally fine. But anything that you see this contract and kind of think about what it could mean down the road, any sorts of, of question marks that pop up? I think it's not personally a red flag for me, but I think the thing that is concerning a lot of Wild fans – especially ones more on the negative side of things that like to see things pessimistically, I think is that no trade clause in the back two years of that contract. Um, For me personally, I love it because, hey, I get to watch Kaprizov in Minnesota for the next five years. 
And if I don't, he's choosing where he wants to go and we're going to get a haul for him, which I hope doesn't happen. But uh, again, I, I don't really see that as a bad thing. Um, it just secures him here for five years. And, you know, if those five, and to me, it, it puts the onus on the Minnesota Wild. You have five years to put a team around Kirill Kaprizov. And if you can't do that, he deserves the opportunity to go and go play somewhere else. That's yeah. At that point, it's not his fault. You had five years. You, you knew the situation you were getting in. And again, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you know, tr- trust the process, we say, with Bill Guerin. And so he, he's got young players in place. And I think if, if Bill Guerin can continue to surround Kirill Kaprizov with these good players who continue to develop the young talent, and give him a reason to stay after five years, it's not something I'm really worried about. So, Justin, any anything that pops up on this deal that that kind of is a, any sort of a, a question for you? I'm not off the top of my head, honestly. I think Brad said it well. Um, I, I mean, I see it from a positive light usually. So getting him through yeah. his prime years is kind of big with mm-hmm. my opinion. And just, you know, seeing him not get three years you know, it was disappointing not to see him get eight, but you knew that they were going to meet in the middle and, and you yeah. know, get that get it done that way. Zeke, anything that pops up from this yeah. contract um, for you? I mean, not not too much. Obviously, different. It's just I just kind of echo some of the similar thoughts that uh, Brett and Justin mentioned, and I think what Brett said about the having you know that he's on their team for the next half decade, like. You know, really, that that's in the grand scheme of things, that's not a long time. But you know, as that you know, in hockey wise, that is a long time. That's probably, you know, a fourth of a guy's career. And, and like Brett mentioned, the fact that they get him till he's 29 uh, is just about perfect to try to maximize that value, whether he's on the trade. And I just think, you know, my just kind of take away from that was that, you know, fans, I think, I, I don't understand quite why people worry about something that's four or five years down the road. And, and the fact, because I remember in Toronto when Austin Matthews he signed his six-year contract extension, he modeled on a state jerseys a couple of summers ago. People in Toronto were, you know, freaking out, saying he's gonna he's into to the Coyotes when his contract is done. It's like, well, first of all, the Coyotes stink, and second of all, you have Austin Matthews <laughs> for the next six years. So why are you worrying about whether he's gonna be gone when he's 29? So yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I pretty much same thing. I think it's. Uh, you know, obviously it didn't happen the perfect way, but I, I don't think there's really much technically about it. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to kind of dive in with this contract is now like a what comes next. And obviously the Wild want to try to improve the center position in particular next to Kirill because, and I've said this a lot, this is not meant to be a dig on Victor Ask. I want to preface that. Uh, we're, a lot. We're, we're a pro Victor Aslander podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> he is not. He is not a one C. I'm no. not breaking any ground there. If you're no. putting him yeah. on a playoff team, mm-hmm. he's a third or fourth line guy. That's just his role. And yeah. so, obviously, they're going to try to kind of improve that spot next to Kirill. I personally mm-hmm. think that that's Marco Rossi's spot next year. Um, that's the hope, but. Is this is this a situation where now if the Wild find themselves hanging around through, you know, midway through the season up towards the trade deadline, does this make it more of a chance that they try to acquire a better center to put next to Krill, or are we going to kind of ride it out with, uh, with the guys that we have? Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of think, uh, man, it, it kind of depends on, what we would have to give up 
kind of like with the Eichel thing, I was kind of always out on that because the pieces that they were requiring were big pieces of the future that, you know, will have to step in with the tough contract years of Suter and Parisi, you know, some of these entry-level contracts and some of these guys like Rossi and Boldy that look like they're going to be high-end players. I mean, you never really know, but so far, I mean, there's no indication that they're not going to be. I mean, I guess it would have to be at the right price, but yeah. at the same time, I think Garen, I mean, he wants to win now, but I think he has a big picture plan too, and mm-hmm. he's starting to build these prospects in this team. Like, you can slowly start to see it forming, especially as guys like Rossi and Wallstead fall to us. It's just, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on the player and what we'd give up. Yeah, Zeke, yeah. I'll let you hop in next. Yeah, yeah well, I just think, think it, like Justin, he makes, Really good points. I th- I think they are leaning more kind of just being patient and just going by, you know, yeah. center by committee. Which even as frustrating as as that can be sometimes, like when when Seth mentioned watching grass trip over the blue line and fumbling <laughs> passes from Kaprizov right at the goal mouth. But uh, I just think you know, like Justin, all the reasons he said, I think that's probably the way that they're gonna go. But I could see you know that obviously you know everyone always when they talk about centers, the first one to come to mind is Eichel. The, uh, the Tomash Hurdle stuff in San Jose, I think, you know, with we've seen, with maybe their hesitance to, to, to pay or commit to long-term so far, a guy like Kevin Fial. I know there's, you know, the big, the big talk is if they're going to acquire a center, you know, you're not going to just acquire that guy if he's a top end or just to be a rental, I don't think. I don't know. I think my thought has always been if if they decide that they're, they don't want to commit to Fial long-term, so if he has a really good year, would they, you know, potentially use him as a trade chip to maybe get another center like that. I don't know. I think that would be probably in my mind, that's about the only chance really have to, to, to make a kind of a move like that is obviously if the money is going back out, but yeah, no, I think it's uh, I, like Justin mentioned, I, I think since you got five years, basically now to build the team, I think that uh, gives you plenty of time to just be patient and just let things gel. Yeah. Brad, are we uh, continuing to trust the process for the center position? I think they have to, honestly. Um, per the great uh, folks mm-hmm. over at Cap Friendly, the Wild, after the Kaprizov signing, have just $3.2 million in cap space. And that doesn't include a Marco Rossi, a Matt Boldy, a Callan Addison. So, and you have to pay those guys. So l- let's say you know three of those guys, two of those guys make the team. That's almost another $2 million, which leaves you about a million in cap. So as Zeke alluded to, there's, there's no trade you can make without mm-hmm. moving money out. And I think, you know, we heard kind of this talk about all season when the Wild were, you know, trying to pursue Eichel and Kevin Fiala was involved in those trades. It's difficult even now to trade Kevin Fiala because he is an RFA. He only is on a one-year deal. Is Kevin Fiala going to sign long-term in a place like Buffalo? Or, you know, even if he does go to San Jose, they have a little better team. But this is a team that's got Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Mark Edward Velasic on the tail end of their careers with no move clauses, guys that are really hard to move. Is that a place he wants to commit to long-term? Does he want to be on a rebuilder? I'm not sure he does. So mm. from San Jose's standpoint, are you going to trade a guy like Thomas Hurdle for a guy like Fiala if you don't think you can re-sign him? So, and then looking ahead at the Wild, I mean, Marco Rossi looked awesome in prospect camps. I mean, obviously he's playing against players that are, you know, he's obviously better than, but, you know, we he, he's a top 10 draft pick for a reason. Murat Nadinov, who, although is playing wing in the KHL, looks like he can play pro hockey. You have another year of Jules Eriksson entering his prime. Um, and you have some other quality centers. Um, so I, I think they're going to wait it out. I think barring some, you know, if Jules Eriksson gets hurt, 
then maybe you have to go out and make a move to acquire somebody. But um, I, I really think, I mean, you look at next year, I don't think anyone would be opposed to having a, a some, you know, center committee of, of Rossi, uh, uh, you know, a second year Rossi, uh, another year of Jewel Erickson Eck, a, you know, potential Murat who's Nadinov, Nico Sturm, Ryan Hartman, you know, Victor Rask, I, I still think is a good fourth line center if he's put in that spot. So I think this year it could be rough again, but I think there are, we saw Hartman be sufficient. It sounds like they want to elevate Eck, give him more opportunity. Um, you know, if Marco Rossi is the real deal, um, you know, th- there are options there that I think that aren't Victor Rass that can, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think will elevate him just because, for simply the fact that they're not, you know, Victor Rask. So, right. Uh, we'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's finish up today's episode by talking a little bit about the Tom Curvers prospect showcase and looking ahead to training camp. Some of the guys that we liked what we saw and uh, maybe some of the guys that we are excited to see throughout the course of training camp more to come with the Sound the Foghorn podcast here on Lockdown Wild after this. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, BetOnline.ag is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, and boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. That's betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Again, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing with our chat with the Sound the Foghorn podcast here on today's episode of Lockdown Wild. And gentlemen, to wrap things up for today, figured we would talk a little bit about the Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase. I know you guys talk uh, pod prospects. There we go. Goodness. It's been a day. You guys talk prod. Uh, I did it again. <laughs> Prospects a lot on the Sound the Foghorn podcast. So figured that would be a great spot for us to finish up here today. And as we talked about a little bit, we saw some great things from Marco Rossi and Matt mm-hmm. Boldy in the Prospect Showcase. But there were plenty of other players that uh, that played and made noise. So let's just go around the group. Uh, Brett, we'll start with you. Any other names? If you want to go with Boldy and Rossi, that's totally fine. Any names that really stood out to you throughout the course of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I didn't get to watch as much of this um, as I'd hoped. Um, along with Zeke, I was at a concert on Friday night. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, I was um, out and about. I had some friends over and didn't really get a chance to watch much of the prospect scrimmage. So what I saw basically were you know the highlights of the good play. So I only saw the good. Uh, of a lot of these guys, but as you alluded to, I mean, Rossi and Bully look great. Um, I mean, they're both, you know, Matt Bully's picking up right where he left off. I, I just, I really think like the last year for me, Ross, I mean, part of, part of it's due to Rossi being, you know, hurt for a year and a half, but Matt Bully's like really like, kind of risen to the Rossi tier for me in terms of my personal prospect rankings, where I just feel like they're just, He's so safe. He's like he's yep. like in fantasy football. He's that you know that that wide receiver too that you throw in your lineup. You know is going to get you know six catches for 
for 70 yards, get you 13 points. Like you just know you can put him in. He's going to be safe. I just feel like that's Matt Bully in a top six role. Like we just know this guy's going to be a pro and he's going to be really solid. He may not be an MVP. Uh, he might not win any awards, but he's going to be such a good contributing forward. And then I think it was really encouraging to see guys like, you know, Ryan O'Rourke continue to, to take another step forward. I think we really saw, you know, what a, what a beneficial year playing in the AHL was um, for him. And so that's great to see. And then mm-hmm. um, it was hard not to like what you saw out of, uh, out of Adam Beckman as well, who was it, who, you know, was, yeah, could push for a roster spot as soon as this year, if, if not next year, I think his, his timeline, I think is, is further along than I think I kind of originally thought. So I think yeah. those were the, probably the four yeah. for me, probably maybe the obvious ones, but I'll leave it to those two guys to maybe mention some guys that um, they, they were able to watch um, in person there on Sunday. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, okay. Justin, you are, yeah, Zeke, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say, I think the, uh, the most surprising thing to just overall was just how physical it was. You know, like, like just the second game we're out on Sunday, there was like four or five fights in the game. Like it was constant back and forth. And I was like, you know, I, I get, you know, it's your, it's your job. It's, it's your competing, but I was just a little surprised with that. But, you know, me and Justin talked a lot uh, during the game that the, Damon Hunt, the third round pick from 2020, who is, you know, he's not very big. I think he's like 6-0, maybe. Like we talked about this a lot, Justin. That he was seemed very willing to be physical. Like he, you know, like he was just constantly using his body, even for smaller guy, moving around the ice. And I was, you know, just really impressed with that. Cause like, you know, I think we all know that seems to be an element on their D that they've been missing kind of the past few years is maybe a more, you know, like a, maybe not old school, but you know what I mean, like first guy who who is good at that too i think he has showed some improvement you know even offensively wise and the puck and all that and uh and i think just my just the overall take is that like brett mentioned uh you could just tell that bolding rossi were obviously the, the two best players on the ice for either team not even close so i think it's you know it's not for that but i was uh, i was really impressed with hunt for sure yeah and, justin who yeah. hopped up hopped out to you all right uh yeah I'll state the obvious that uh, Boldy's hockey IQ in person and his his vision was insane, and uh, Rossi's two hundred foot game was awesome. Their tenacity was great, but uh, you know I'll I'll kind of touch on a couple names that maybe aren't as talked about. I thought uh, not just some UMD fan, but Nick Swain. He had a a pretty good weekend. You know he helped get an assist on one of Boldy's goals on the power play during that Sunday game, and then he scored the game when he shoot up goal. Just a uh, bar down tonight. Yeah, kind of a, a quiet leader. And then uh, a couple other names I, I noticed were uh, Damon Drew. He looked really quick on the ice. I, I think the Wild, I feel like Russo's written like that they like him and, and he could push for a spot eventually or, or get some time in the NHL. But I felt like he was really quick. And then – I have to give props to uh, Derek Barabo, who was absolutely tremendous in that, uh, I mean, really all game, but in overtime in the shootout on that, that second game on Sunday, uh, he basically stood on his head to help us win that game. Yeah, he was fired up after that shootout win, too. I mean, that was, yeah. I was like, it, it gave me like big, like Josh Harding vibes with like the blocker pump. And I mean, maybe right. it's just he's a southpaw, too, just like Harding was. Yeah. Catches that right hand, but um, too bad we didn't get to see. Uh, Wallstead there, but he's off dominating yeah. the SHL again. So yeah, he'll yeah. he'll do plenty when he uh, when he finally <laughs> gets up here. But you know, the other thing that I thought was just so impressive was that power play unit of uh, Rossi, Beckman, and Boldy, mm-hmm. and then um, terrifying. 
Oh man. Like I, my, my buddy spoke Z was tweeting just highlight after highlight of the, uh, the whole thing. And he, I, he said some things I can't exactly remember, but it was like, yeah, this is a nightmare group. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And Mm -hmm. you know, the, the nice thing that we can take away from today's episode as we move forward is that we can truly focus on the hockey now and uh, can go into training camp with nothing in the way of distractions or holdouts or what have you. And so it should be a very exciting training camp for this wild team that we will be breaking down here over the next few days and uh, into the next couple of weeks as well. Gentlemen, that takes us to the end of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Before we go, though, uh, do make sure, listeners, to follow the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Great work that these three do. Uh, And so uh, make sure to give them a listen and a follow as well, wherever you listen to podcasts, pretty much everywhere, right? Yep. If we're not somewhere that you are, uh, let us know and we'll do our best to to get there. So, Excellent. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll uh, definitely have to do this throughout the course of the season as well. Make sure to not only follow Sound the Foghorn, but Locked on Wild as well, wherever you listen to podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Hit them all up so that you don't miss out on any news regarding the Minnesota Wild. And you can find new episodes all throughout the week, Monday through Friday, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.